0: Hey there and welcome to Food Safety University and this week's podcast in the Trauma and Toxic Cultures podcast series that we're doing. And today you'll be happy to know we're going to start looking at solutions. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence as a solution to toxic workplace cultures. So tune in and cozy up because this is a really good one. Welcome to Food Safety University, I'm Dr. Michelle Fanensteel, and this is the one podcast where you can get everything you need to know about food safety and how to run a food manufacturing plant for all of those small and local food manufacturers. If you are into local and sustainable food and agriculture, this is the podcast for you every week. We cover new and original ideas around how to get the most out of your HACCP planning and how to get your plant up and running and continue running in a way that fulfills your dreams. grab a pen and paper because every week you're going to need it. See you on the inside. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. As I record this, it is a, like, beautiful fall day here in Ohio, and lots of excellent things are happening uh, around these parts, and I couldn't, you know, like, I'm, like, things are, it's, it's, you know, we don't say this word anymore, but I feel like we should, and I feel like I, like, everything today is just kind of groovy. I'm, like, pretty relaxed. (laughs) A pretty good day. Everybody got off to school pretty much without drama, you know. So maybe my bar is low, but who cares? <laughs> so as we um, as we move through these podcast episodes on trauma and toxic workplace culture, I just wanted to make a note. I know that these can be hard to hear. Okay, that that talking about this stuff is not easy. Um, but I would like to pause it. I don't think it really should be easy. And I think that if we pretend that it's easy, then we avoid the real work that we're supposed to be doing right um nobody nobody is guaranteed easy. We are guaranteed uh birth and and death. So if you're listening to this, you were definitely born, which means I have to tell you, you were definitely going to die. Everything else is sort of neither guaranteed, uh, nor should uh, potentially be expected to be easy. (laughs) Okay? Um, Because even, you know, it's funny, I was talking with my business coach yesterday, and... And she's like, you know, Michelle, as you grow your business, the stuff that you love, love, love to do, which is this, you know, triangle of teaching and bringing my subject matter expertise and having an like an approachability, right? Which is really really, you know, what I'm looking at for, um, uh, some, some real topics that I'm going to be covering. I'm going to be covering innovation in the spring, and it's actually the innovation topic is going to come back to, uh, this episode. So this is going to be a prerequisite for an episode you'll, uh, series that you'll hear in the spring about the, about innovation. And, um, you know, when when I think about teaching and I think about my subject matter expertise, like this stuff is really easy for me, which is why I have a business around it. But but that my technical subject matter expertise, 90% of the time is super easy. And it's not even super, like, so that means 10% of the time it's not. Um, that allows us to discount that stuff. And so I just want you guys to pay attention to the stuff that you find easy in your life, that you let yourself Discount. <laughs> okay, um, and and that has to do with this episode because. <sighs> emotional intelligence is pretty much the greatest gift you can give yourself. You know, and in many podcast episodes, I have talked about the six assets in your business, your brain, the brains of the people that you surround yourself with or work with or on your team, right? And then the trust and credibility that you have out there in the work in the workplace, um, or in your community, if you you know are listening to this as a community, um, you know as part of your community, and so, um, or somebody who participates in food in, in your community. And all of those things, all three of those assets have many, many, many uh, positive implications for product and process, and then the amount of capital that you can accumulate and i find what what i um what i find is is that most people are really focused on the the second three of the six assets products processes and capital you know equipment and and land and that sort of thing I find that's because, um, you know, especially when we look at capital, capital is pretty easy to fund. You know, it's way it's I will tell you it's way funder it's way easier to fund land um, than it is to fund something like Food Safety University, right? Um, and I think that Food Safety University at the price point that it's at, it's fifteen thousand dollars now. So good for good for everybody who uh, who got in when it was uh, um, when it was at the introductory prices. And, you know, the people who are serious about it go find the, go find the money because they know that managing uh, their, their, their selves and managing their minds um, to create great products and processes will create more capital. And that's really kind of what this is all, this this podcast episode is all about. It's about emotional intelligence. Now, it, we're specifically talking around emotional intelligence uh, as it applies to trauma and toxic workplace cultures, but this stuff can be applied to an awful lot of different things. The revelation... That we have had in human development and the innovation that we've had in human development since the Second World War, I think will be looked back upon um, as a second enlightenment. Okay? And we're in the middle of it. So one of the reasons, you know, like I've been podcasting for like three years now, right? And so one of the reasons some of the information has changed is because our understanding of the human brain has changed and our understanding of how we interact with our environments has changed. So, for example, right now, my husband and I are going through foster parent classes. We are going to foster um kids, uh, LGBTQ kids, um, who've been kicked out of, um, their either foster placements or their home because of their, um, sexual or gender identity. And then we're also going to, uh, open our homes to, uh, pregnant teenagers who have been kicked out of their foster placement or their home, um, and don't have a, don't have a, they are minors and don't have to a place to be with their babies so um, it's entirely possible in the next year i'm going to become a grandparent <laughs> my mother tells me grandparenting is definitely the better way to go um so anyway <laughs> um but you know they're teaching us about trauma and being trauma-informed and things like that but truly and and they're trying really hard and i give all sorts of credit we're, we're going through ohio guidestone um, to our trainer and the work that they are doing But the information is old. The information is old. And and they're teaching us that, you know, they're teaching us trauma-informed parenting, absent some of the newer models and and methodologies that I am learning out there as as I go and, and educate myself about this and certify as a trauma coach and that sort of thing. And When we talk about emotional intelligence, we used to think that emotional intelligence only took place between your ears. But I want to dispel that notion. Emotional intelligence takes place in your body. Now, your brain, I have to tell you, is part of your body. But it is not most of your body. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not since you were a 3-year-old was it most of your body, okay? If you look at, you know, and what I mean is is that if you look at the percentage of a total body that an infant's head is It is a vastly bigger percentage as overall length of the baby um, than your head is now as a percentage of your overall, you know, length now. Okay. And so emotional intelligence is evolving as a field and evolving as an understanding because um, we are learning that our emotions, the seat of our emotions is in our body. You have a nervous system in your body. You have a nervous system associated with your gut. And if any of y'all slaughter cattle for a living, um, I would like to tie this back to specified risk materials. We have to... uh, uh, remove portions of what's called the distal ileum. So it's a part of the small intestine just before it meets the, um, the cecum, and, which is the large intestine. Uh, um, we have to re- remove that because there's neural tissue there that can have prions. Okay. Bovine spongiform encephalopathy. Uh, if we didn't have neurons there, we wouldn't have to remove that. So that your body has like brain like nervous systems is actually baked into your HACCP plan if you slaughter cattle for a living, which I think is fairly, uh, fairly, uh, uh impressive and, and important to know because when we talk about emotional intelligence, I'm going to go through discerning what that means. But a lot of what that means is, is how do you feel in your body? Okay. And, uh, we can learn what happens with our emotions and then make choices about how we act if we're willing to slow down and that's the real key Emotionally intelligent people are people who take the time to integrate how their body thinks, how their mind thinks and how everything reacts or um, to put some brakes on that reaction. And 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 it's a learned and learnable skill. I've been I've been learning it and which is why I want to teach it to you. So the first thing that that I want to talk about in emotional intelligence uh, um, is that there is a difference between story and fact. There are facts in the world. You've heard me say this. We call them circumstances around here a lot of the time. And there are things that we tell ourselves about the facts. Um, now, I have middle school kids, as you all know, right? And... They are not in fact very much because, frankly, they don't have the neurons to do it. Like they're, as a percentage of their brain, um, God bless them, their amygdala, which is the kind of the seed of our emotions, the middle of what's called the limbic system where all our emotions are. That's the fastest growing place in their brain right now. And man, I thought middle school was hard when I went through it. It sucks watching my kids go through it. But that's because, you know, now I know so much more, right? (laughs) Um, But if you are thinking that you work, you have trauma in your life, you have um, a toxic workplace environment, or you have a confluence of the two, what I will tell you is, you know, that one of the most helpful things that I can do is discern story from fact. And this is how I do it. I take a piece of paper. I fold it in half. On the right side of the piece of paper, okay, I write the word fact. um, And on the left side of the piece of paper, I write the word story. And um, you, um, then, then you get to write on there. So facts are things that you can quantify and you can measure. Okay. My boss yelled at me, might actually be a story, okay? My boss said, you are a moron, is actually a fact. The tone of voice in which they said it is a story. And hard as that may be to accept, um, look at the people who you love in your life, um, who sometimes you think are yelling at you when they really don't think that they're yelling at you. So a story is anything where somebody might have Another opinion, uh, okay, about what's going on. How many pounds of product you got out the door today is a fact. Whether or not they met specification, also fact. Uh, um, Whether or not they did it on time. If you don't have a time frame written down, it's a story. Okay. So... One of the most helpful things that you can do is do story versus fact because it helps you separate yourself and your emotions. And that's the first step in emotional intelligence is recognizing you are not your emotions. Okay, I don't know if anybody's told you that before, but I'm here to tell you you're not your emotions. And this is what I mean by the second enlightenment. Because... Sure, there are I mean you know if you if you dig and read um, you can find you can find lots and lots and lots of support for the idea that humans are not their emotions, but you have to dig pretty hard and read pretty hard, but now. It is coming to be accepted as true um, and malleable around our emotions, that we, if we have emotions we don't like, we can do something about it, and we are not subjected, in fact, to the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. I mean, one of those things that makes Hamlet's soliloquy, um, so I'm, you know, I'm referring to the to be or not to be uh, soliloquy from Hamlet. Go watch Ken Branagh's version. It's probably the best one out there. Um, you know, he talks about being subjected to slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. And and if you look at that language, he's being really subjected to it. Like, one of the problems with Hamlet is, is that he takes everything personally, yeah, right? Because he's traumatized. His dad was murdered. That's traumatizing. And now his dad's ghost is coming and talking to him. I think we could look at a lot of Hamlet in a traumatized lens, right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune um, don't, are, are, are invented in your own head. And it's the difference between story and fact, okay? So if something is bugging you, I want you to write down story and I want you to write down fact. Um, okay, next, uh, when you are um when you have that out and you're feeling kind of like open to this, I want to introduce you to this idea that there are really three places in your life where healing comes from. Okay. And we're gonna be talking a lot about this over the coming over the coming months because this has a lot to do with innovation. All right. But your healing comes from, and healing is a prerequisite to innovation. Um your cognition and experiences and how you understand your experiences, okay? And that is what's going on in your in your head. You know, if you intellectually understand what I am saying, that you are not your emotions, that is great because that, my friends, is the first step to emotional intelligence. <laughs> and so that's really, really good. Um, so that's so, so cognition and experience are the, um. Uh, is, is like the first place where this healing occurs and where emotional intelligence occurs, okay? And I'm actually reading this off of Venn Diagram that I have created. So I want you to, to um, picture a Venn Diagram with three different bubbles in it. And one of those bubbles is cognition and experience. Then the next bubble is your body, okay? All of these things, you know, we talk about emotions emotions happen in your body because of the work of the cells. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not to be reducto ad absurdum here, but um, unless your cells synthesize, you know, uh, chemicals and and hormones and um, run electricity through them, you're not going to feel a blessed thing. And so your body is the next section of where emotional intelligence happens. And actually understanding your body and space and feeling the things that you feel is incredibly important towards uh, um, creating the emotional intelligence in your life. And even if you just stopped there, you would be leagues ahead of where most people are because you'd be able to feel a reaction in your body without then actually reacting to it because you're, you're, you'll are you're start to understand patterns of how you do things. And you'll be able to slow down because you'll start noticing that the more you recognize what's going on in your body, the more emotionally intelligent decisions you can make. And then the third is what I call universal unknown agility. Okay, You can call this God, you can call this the deity of your choice, Uh, You can call this the divine, right? Um, We all have a different relationship with it. But this universal unknown agility overlaps with your cognition and your experience and your body. And in the middle of those three overlapping circles uh, is where your healing happens. Okay. And allowing for the unknown gives you space uh, to recognize you don't have to have all the answers while you're going through this journey or while you're going through any journey. And allowing for these sensations allows you to create the language of your nervous system that your cognition can then understand, And when you have those two things, you will start recognizing the divine as a force in your life, Uh, Okay. however it is that that you might think about it. Because being connected to your body and your lived experience is a birthright, and understanding your own emotional intelligence and capacity for emotional intelligence is a birthright, even if it doesn't feel good all of the time because your true emotional intelligence comes from the idea that when you are connected to the body, you can handle anything, Um, okay? And so that is your basis for emotional intelligence, cognition and experiences as you feel them in your body with an opening to kind of the unknown that allows you to create a synthesis of all three of those things, okay? But then, When you have resourced yourself like that, with that level of understanding, there's actually a path uh, that I have uh, that I walk my clients through that, that creates this recognition and builds resilience. And resilience is emotional intelligence. Okay. So we start with this resourcing and understanding how to feel our body and being safe and contained and feel our body as an anchor. And then because we are human and we are out living in the world, we will have a mild stimulus or an activation or something will happen. We will get an email or our workers will talk to us or our teammates will talk to us. Right. And then when you have have uh, decided to live in emotional intelligence, then you will notice what you are thinking and feeling when Something comes comes at you. A piece of equipment breaks, or um, the hose is on the floor, <laughs> right? And you will recognize the patterns within yourself of how you think and feel when you see something going wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Then, what you're when you, when you understand that you have a pattern there that gives you an allowance to actually pause and listen to where the cry of attention is coming from and then to reframe and integrate, even if the reframe and integrate starts with, oh, wow, I'm really having a reaction here. I'm really having a reaction here. And maybe that's all you have to do. And that's enough of a pause for you to change just a little tiny bit to make a really big difference. You know, Um, the example a lot of people use is is that if you're taking off for New York from LA and you're one degree off uh, leaving from LA, you're gonna end up in Washington, DC. Okay, I guess one degree to the south, right? Um, And that's a really big difference. It doesn't look like anything when you're taking off, but it sure looks like something when you land. Because <laughs> if you land in DC and not at Laguardia, well, then you've got an issue. If you were ma- meaning to go to Laguardia, okay. So it seems like really small steps, but really small steps can lead to massive course corrections. Um, and recognizing those and being able to implement those those small steps, and especially if you hearken back to our um, our podcast on getting one percent better, it's recognizing those small steps and slowing down enough to see how much these small steps are really going to benefit you, okay? So that's what I got for the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope... You have a week full of awesome and you join us next week because we're going to wrap up the series, um, by talking about accountability and how we can bring accountability into all of this. So go practice your emotional intelligence, your story versus fact, go feel whatever it is that you're feeling in your body, because I know you can handle it. Have a week full of awesome. I love you all so much. And I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the food safety university podcast. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, I want you to go to DirgoFoodSafety.com and go check out all the things that we have. If you haven't gotten your HACCP download, go get that or book a call with me and let's talk about getting you into Food Safety University. I'll see you on the inside.